Today on the show we talk the what's what of the week, Star Wars and video games and the long forgotten Star Wars 1313 and the future of the DCEU. We today with the custard creams and we're raring to go. Wallet's at the ready, the arcade is open for business. Bing bong, hello and welcome, you listen to The Arcade, a podcast where two Irish lads talk to what's what in gaming and beyond, and where the crack is top notch, and where the facts are only half there-ish. I tried something new that time. Yeah. My name is Sean, and with me is Stephen. Hello, hello, hello. Week three, in the bag, here we yeah. are. We're doing it again, Stephen. Back at it. Absolutely. How was the week? Alright. Good yeah. week. Good, Good week. Horrible weather, though. Yeah, it's... it's Severe humidity and obviously we're recording this on the weekend. It's just like a mad storm. It's the end of the summer at the beginning of the summer. Yeah. Which is the usual thing in um, Ireland. You know yourself. Anyway, big week on the show. You know, a lot of things happened as they always do in the media world. But not for me because I spent the whole week playing Last of Us Part 2. Yeah, like seriously engrossed in it. We'll, I'm not going to talk about it now because there is a lot of things about it that I want to get into later on in the show. But with that said, shall we kick off the show? Yes, we shall. We shall kick off the show with the What's What of the Week. This is commonly referred to as the Goss on the Street where we talk about the what's been watching in the what world of the world of games. <laughs> Whoa, that's a mouthful, Sean. <laughs> I've been thinking about this all week and how I was going to go about Do I want to do something funny like wordplay. Clearly it didn't work, you know. I wanted to hit the what's it what's It's early beginnings. Yeah. There is room to blossom. I mean, I don't spend my entire time in like work thinking about this and what I'm going to say. Of course I do. What am I saying? Anyway, first up, Crash Bandicoot 4. We talked about this last week, but because of the way new reveals are coming, obviously not all the information was there. It was coming out the day that Podcast 2 came out. So we got more information on Crash. Uh, it's coming out October 2nd, 2020. Like another game, uh, Star Wars Squadrons. Yes. So a bit of competition there already. Yeah. So big yeah, like queue for either Starship fighting or arcade platform. What way are you leaning? Oh, me arcade platform. Oh yeah. I like it. I so I would like the trailer dropped Monday. Um, I didn't watch it until the evening, but genuinely the nostalgia trip. So it's new. But it feels fresh. Fresh. Yeah. It, it's 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 what we need. It's what I need. So, like, yes, we, we've like replayed the originals. Have been remastered one, two, and three. This is the official fourth in the line. It looks amazing. Yeah. And they're just building upon what was popular and adding some new features in as well. Yeah, they've uh, brought back, um, obviously they brought back uh, Coco as a playable character. She was playable in Crash 3 Warped and then she became completely playable in the Insane trilogy. Uh, Cortex is now a playable character as well, which is something I copped from the trailer. Yes. Something I don't think has been done since Crash Twin Sanity, which yes. was back in 2006-ish, I want to say. It feels yeah. like a 2006-ish game. It's the one they want to forget. <coughs> um, They're forgetting about all of them, really. Yeah. When you think about it. 
like because there's a throwaway line at the end of the trailer where you know they say they've only battled Cortex three times but he's pretty much the baddie in nearly all Crash Bandicoot games yeah um, it is the numbered fourth game but it's not the fourth game obviously uh, that goes to the Rata Cortex which isn't a bad game it gets a lot of hate but I don't think it's a bad game you know it's a fun game I enjoy it <laughs> yeah it does. it's a hit and a miss it's a hit and a miss like most things in life. Anyway, moving on. Uh, keeping up again with uh, stuff we talked about last week. Last of Us Part 2. Fastest selling PlayStation exclusive ever with over 4 million copies sold in 3 days. It's not surprising. Really not surprising. Yeah, you it's know? pretty impressive. Um, so we did a bit of research. Uh, God of for War. Once. For, for once. For once, A bit yeah. of research there. For once. So God of War, 3.1 million uh, Spider-Man 2, 3.3 million copies sold. Yeah, I a bit surprised about that. Yeah. You know, but... But, th- look, the thing about it is the hype factor. So, we didn't know Spider-Man was coming. Yeah. We kind of hoped God of War was coming. So, I kind of expected a bit more than that. But, we've waited seven years. Yeah. For this, um, it was been delayed. Then there was the whole controversy with the leaks. So people just wanted to get stuck in, play it before. It's a bit like when a movie is leaked or it's mm. there. People avoid, like myself, until I actually go to the cinema to see it, I avoid any social media. So as soon as this game came out, everyone was like, grab it, play it, and then you can't. Be, it, like it can't be spoiled so I think yeah. that's why it's old personally speaking I think that's why it's old and it was just it's like I think we said on the last on last week's episode when you are the follow up to literally what is called the best game ever made like there's obviously going people are going to flock out to get it you know and obviously with the story of Last of Us Part 1 it leaves you in such a place where you don't really know what's happening you don't know how to feel about it so I'd imagine a lot of people did run out to buy it to sort of see, you know, where's it going to go. Kind of what I did, really. Yeah, plus there's a lot of people in lockdown still. Oh, yeah. Um, so loads of time on their hands. So why not get stuck into a really good game? Yeah, and you're going to be stuck in it for a while. I mean, I'm still playing it. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near finished it. And I've put about 19 hours into it so far. I've had it for a week. I'm 19 hours in. I should be. I'm, I'm hoping to God I'm getting to the end because it's taken a long time to get through. <laughs> so yeah, that's the Last of Us and its selling time. Twenty years. Moving on now. Twenty years to its original release. Now, when I say this, I mean America because I did actually look this up, and it's not Ireland. It's America. Uh, Netflix confirmed that Chicken Run Two is in development for them by Ardmond and is set to start production next year in 2021. How do we feel? <laughs> Really, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited. Oh yeah, this is yeah. You know, it's, we don't hear a lot from Armin anymore. No, no. Um, twenty eighteen was the last time I think Early Man with uh, Eddie Redmayne and Tom Hiddleston about cavemen learning how to play football and setting up the English team. Yeah, but like it's a new story, so a lot of stuff. Lately with Ardman is It's a new story It's not going back and revisiting yeah. Like for people who don't know I genuinely love 
Aardman and what they do. Wallace and Gromit speaks volumes to me. Um, so, obviously, given what happened to yeah, with Peter Salas, um, mm. I don't see Wallace and Gromit coming, but Chicken Run. Mel Gibson getting back into the seat. Oh, now that you bring that up, there is actually talks that Mel Gibson could be recast as Rocky. Yeah, see, yeah. It's, look, Mel Gibson's gone a bit crazy since 2000, you know? Yeah, I mean, nice to get to crazy and put it into Chicken Run, because Chicken Run is crazy. I, don't, I can't imagine putting that man in a small booth and, you know, just leaving him there for hours on end. Anything could happen. It'd be comedy gold. Or we could get Passion of the Christ too. <coughs> look at... It's a movie about hundreds of chickens fleeing a farm because they're being turned into pastry pies. Yeah. And it's ingenious. It's kind of like Mouse Hunt meets Great Escape. It's just perfect. I think it's perfect. That, that's what it was. It was it was The Great Escape with Stephen Queen with chickens. That's essentially the pitch for that <laughs> film. It's been a long time coming. Like, we've all kind of known the Chicken Run was going to get a sequel. Like, I think Wallace and Gromit at this point, you know, it is kind of done. Like, I know Peter Salas isn't isn't alive anymore, and that is terribly sad that um, we're never going to get another film with him as Wallace. But even if you go back and watch the Wallace and Gromit stuff, like, after you get to A Matter of Love and Death, I think that's it. You can kind of say that, you know, that's what that's Wallace and Gromit done. You know, I'd leave it there, and it's fine. You know, so I'm I'm happy to see Chicken Run making a comeback. I'm mm-hmm. hoping they they don't lean in because they did it with uh, Flushed Away. I'm hoping they don't lean in too hard on CGI. That it is, you know, this is gonna be a five year project. It's gonna be all plasticine and stop motion because they like that's just it's brilliant. I like that. You know, yeah, it it it, it gives the sensation of. Man med. Oh um, yeah, sure. When you look at the characters on screen and you see actual fingerprints in their bodies. Like that's now in saying that the pirates I can't remember the full title of it. No, neither. But can it's I. the one with Hugh Grant. And David Tennant. Yeah. Yeah. That is actually half and half, if I'm I, I could be wrong. Yeah, they um they sort of do enough with the stop motion so that you know it's stop motion, but then they kind of keep things ticking over with CGI. It's to rush the production. So films aren't left in... They're not cooking for so long. Like, Curse of the Were-Rabbit was a five-year production because it was all stop motion. It's an hour and a half long film that was pure stop motion. But I don't want really want that, you know? I want stop motion. I don't want CGI. Leave CGI on my arm and stuff. It's going to be great. It's armament. Anthony they do is great. Early Man was a great film. Mm. Like it's cavemen setting up the English team. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, and I had no idea that's what it was about when I sat down to watch it. But after I watched it, I was like, yeah, that's just pure Ardman. <laughs> like I wouldn't expect anything less from them to do that. Oh, it was, it was great. Anyway, so yeah, we're very excited for uh, Chicken Run 2. Uh, moving on, Cyberpunk 2077 delayed. We talked about that last week. We got more of a look at Cyberpunk. A lot of stuff was showing off, trailers and whatnot. I didn't look at any of these because I want to keep as much of that game secret because I'm really excited for it. Yeah, um, 
I did. So I watched the gameplay. Um, I watched the extra trailers that were added. I don't know. I'm just getting worried as well. So are they falling into the same kind of pit as Anthem with EA and Bioware? What do you mean? I found... So basically, when Anthem was first shown off, Anthem looked amazing. And it's like, oh, a new IP. So Bioware has put like Mass Effect on ice. So now we've gone into this new IP, which I thought, hey, that's okay. It looks pretty cool. It's online. It's a massive kind of open area to play. Um, then they started the whole thing of we'll start showing gameplay we'll start showing trailers then when people actually got it it was like oh, it's after falling asunder because you've showed so much the lackluster is you know it's it's. I'm just worried because I really want this game to do well I, I, I think CD Projekt Red is I'm very hopeful because they don't tend to cut corners. They tend to release really good games. For crying out loud, a DLC pack won Game of the Year. Yeah, that's how yeah, you good... You can't argue with that. That's how good this company are at making games. So... Yeah. in the, like It's like Jekyll and Hyde. One side of me is like so excited. Yes, this is going to be great. The other side is like, holy crap, this could go so wrong. Well, um... Like I get, I get where you're coming from with the likes of Anthem and stuff, but I, like we kind of knew Anthem was going to be a bit of a botched job because you know prior to Anthem coming out, we had Battlefront two and we had Battlefront. And we knew what those games had become with microtransactions and all that. And when you take the kind of model that Anthem was falling into and combine it with a publisher like EA, yeah, there were going to be problems. It was going to be rushed out the door, you know, because it's a money making model, you know, and. I don't think Cyberpunk will fall into that because, yeah, they're showing a lot of stuff off now, but that's because the game is pretty much done at this point. They're just still ironing out a lot of the bugs in it. So they might as well just keep showing things off because the game is getting delayed. Like, it's been delayed like three times now so far. I don't know. It looks great. But this is what I want to talk about. You know, a bit of lighthearted humour, you know, because obviously the world has gone to hell, you know, for the last three months. Even though we're coming back, it's still <laughs> gone to hell. We need moments to laugh. However, what we're going to talk about now is a bit growing up. So if you are, I don't know, sensitive, just click away now. Or if listen. you have young ears or if you're sensitive to any kind of off topic. Yeah, we're going, we're going places with this one. Yeah. But it's so funny. It's fu- I think it's funny. So switch off now if you, if you don't want to. Or turn it up if you're interested just keep listening um so we got a lot of information on the character creation for cyberpunk 2077 which was already in depth you know we you could increase the size of your genitalia it was that that enough for me was brilliant but we've gotten more sort of things on that uh you have a choice between two types of penis which is hilarious but only one vagina type which i think is a bit rude you know it's just, just hear me out, okay? This is this blew my mind when I read it. It's so funny, and you've the choice of five types of pubic hair. Yeah, like white. Like, and I, I read that, and I'm there thinking of like the Fallout character creation, 
and all the names they have for facial hair and hair. So what are you going to name five different types of pubic hair? It's like mangled and bushy and prickly or... I don't know. It's, it's got me thinking. Do you have any names, Stephen? Just help me out here. I need help. Washed, unwashed, washed, combed, and combed, shaved. I, I look... Landon uh, Strip. Oh my God. Landon <laughs> 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 Like, it's absolutely amazing. They're going this far with the character creation. Especially because in The Witcher, you couldn't create your own character because it was based on an actual character already. I don't know. It it seems so out there, their character creation. But I like it. Do you know? It's something that's never been done before in a game. Yeah, so... It also opens up the whole aspect of... Because you're getting so in-depth with this character, so right down to, as you said... The, the designing of the genitalia is this kind of are they taking the same route as Grand Theft Auto as in GTA Online where this game will periodically get updates that will run on for years upon years because if you're getting so engrossed down to picking the style of pubic hair you're really invested in this character. This is not something that's going to be a couple of hours. It's a really good game. Yeah, I like This is something you're going to invest a lot of time in. If this you're is, this is role playing to the next level. Yeah, you, know, you are becoming this. You are this character now. This is it. You're, when you pay sixty euro, you're not buying a game. You're selling your soul to this game. This is it now. Yeah, but it it also like. Okay, now we're this podcast is going to take a strange turn here now. Just let it go, let it go. We, we're not held down by any sponsorships. We don't get paid money. We can go anywhere with this. Yeah, so in The Witcher, there is a lot of grown up. Yeah, Devil's so, Tango. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like this couldn't go anywhere. So the fact of. But it's a first-person game. Mm. This is not third-person. Yeah. So you are not going to be looking at this character. It's not like... So, and like, another game that kind of did it, but on a joking side, was Saints Row. Yeah. Where you could extravagantly oversize, so, chest and, like, your ass. and But this is first-person. So, genuinely, I think the sex scenes... I think there's going to be quite a lot. Oh, there, uh, will, there will be, sure. They've already, like... It's been demoed by a lot of uh, news outlets in the gaming world. And a lot of them played it for about four hours. And it's full of violence and sex and drugs and all that. In the first four hours. Yeah. As all older women in Ireland say, there'll be women at the night. Oh, they'll be having the priests out and everything. On <laughs> November 19th, just be throwing uh, holy water... On the uh, game store, it's a scandalous game to be playing. You know, you may scandalous. Get, you may get your console blessed by a Catholic <laughs> priest. So we can't, we can't go down this route now. This is it. We've gone into religion. We've stepped it too far. <laughs> we need to dial it back. <laughs> anyway, that's Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven and its character creation. I'm very excited. I'm I, yeah. the more little things I hear about this game, the more I'm getting. Stick with us because obviously when the game comes out, it'll be a lot longer down the road. How many weeks away? It's a good few weeks away now. I don't know the weeks. It's November 19th. I don't keep count. Mm. Long time. Stick with us. There's a lot more podcasts to this, but we will be covering every single aspect of it down to the G.
genitalia. <laughs> and we're going to be like it's going to be. We're playing it for about five years at least. I'm still playing The Witcher Three, so you know. We, yeah, we, look, we, a big confession. So Witcher Three is out five years, 2015. Five years. Yeah, we haven't finished it. Actually, I like you got to Skellig Island. Oh yeah, I didn't even get. To I got that. to Skellig Island and back again. Yeah, I didn't even get to the island. That's how preoccupied I was with all the secondary missions. Yeah, there's too much stuff to do in Velen yeah. and Novigrad. So you just, you keep going at that stuff. But then you realise that there's an extra, like, 150 hours left yeah, to go. so, like, five years in Cyberpunk, highly doubt it. Maybe longer, maybe 10, <laughs> maybe 15. <laughs> I could be selling my life to this game. I'm sitting there, no more games after Cyberpunk 2077. It's just Cyberpunk <laughs> and nothing else. Uh, last bit of the What's What, which is going to lead us straight into our first uh, merchandiser segment. Uh, big talk, Michael Keaton is uh, coming back as a Batman since 1990. So, what's that, 30 years? 30 years. Yeah. Long time. He's old now. Very old. But he's coming back for Flashpoint. I think this has been pretty much more or less confirmed. He's coming back. Uh, he's coming back not as... Now, Flashpoint. Have you actually seen Flashpoint? Have you read anything about Flashpoint? Not really. Look, I, I don't know a lot of it about myself. And I rented the... Uh, animation to watch it look at tell the audience we are marvel heads that's yeah. what we are and we're afraid to dip our toes in the dceu and the cw yeah you know it's 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 so messy it's See, this so is messy. this is why once upon a time on this show we used to have a presenter on it called mark and mark actually watches the cw stuff so it'd be great if mark was here we'd get him to fill us in on all the cw and dc stuff but we don't as the two of us so we're going to give this a try anyway Basically, Flashpoint is the Flash runs too fast and he travels forward in time and discovers an alternate reality to um, sort of the canonized DC universe. So I don't know anything outside of Batman. I think a lot of things happen to Justice League characters in it, but all I know is Batman. Essentially, the main sort of thing is rather than Martha and Thomas Wayne being killed, it's actually Bruce Wayne that gets killed in Crime Alley. And... Uh, because of this, uh, Thomas Wayne goes on to become Batman and uh, Martin Wayne becomes the Joker. That's the, probably the most interesting thing for me, I think. Yeah, so does... Right. This is the worrying bit. The Flashpoint movie. Yes. Is this going to be tied into the new... The Batman movie now, this is this is what i wanted to talk about uh this is our sort of the future of the dceu or the dc expanded universe because this i mean back in 2013 when man of steel came out the dceu sort of had a i wouldn't say it was laid out groundwork but it was something you know we had man of steel which led into batman versus superman which then went on to lead into the justice league and we've had wonder woman and aquaman coming out of that and uh yeah, Flashpoint is essentially it's Ezra Miller's Flash from Justice League and Batman vs Superman getting his own film like Wonder Woman and Aquaman. But you know, Justice League was a long time ago now. It's been three years, and um, just things are happening in the DC world. You know, like Batman's been recast. We have Robert Pattinson now. Pretty sure Ben Affleck stepped away from the role entirely. Uh, Henry Cavill. On the fence, do you know? We don't know if he's going to come back as Superman. He says he wants to, but we don't know if it's actually going to happen. So I don't know where the, I don't know where the DC sort of things fitting in. 
And when Michael Keaton's announcement came out, I assumed because of his age and everything that he'd be playing Thomas Wayne. You know, a much older Thomas Wayne as Batman. Makes sense. No, he's actually playing Bruce Wayne and Batman. You know, he's actually playing his original character. So it sort of, it's leading me to believe that maybe Flashpoint's going in a different direction. Do you know? You have no idea. It's so messy. It's really messy. It's like, uh, see, I feel so bad for Warner Brothers because they are standing off the side looking at Marvel. Mm. And they looked at what Marvel did so the cinematic the the MCU the Marvel Cinematic Universe yes it has its grey areas too obviously there was controversies people getting recast movies kind of being forgot about i.e. The Incredible Hulk Justice for the Incredible Hulk still a great film yeah but there was an end goal so if like yeah like Thanos, Thanos was established in 2012 and we reached that in 2019. Or was that this year? No, it wasn't this year. T- the years are blending in with me. Yeah, COVID's getting to you, Sean. Yeah, just let it go. Yeah, but there was an end goal. So, but if you read into it, like, yes, Marvel had their issues. They were, the directors of each movie was handed Thanos and was told, please implement this. I just find Warner Brothers is trying to play catch up which I think is wrong I think from the word go Warner Brothers were like oh they've had so much success we need to get in on this we need to build an expanded universe right now and I just found so Man of Steel yes great foundation to start with it's a flawed film you know there's maybe a little bit too much Jesus reference in it for my liking but it's not an entirely bad movie. And as a jumping off point, yeah, it's not a bad jumping off point. Especially for what it leads into with Batman vs Superman. Yeah, and then, like you said, we go to Batman vs Superman. We get the introduction of Wonder Woman. And everyone else. Yeah, this is, there's the problem. In an, e- so, in an email. So you've literally hit home. So what should have happened was... It should have been the groundwork for Wonder Woman, right? Yeah. And maybe at the just a snippet. So just introduce, oh, I don't know, a, a cyborg. And then, I don't know, make a cyborg movie. Or maybe show off Aquaman at the end of the cyborg movie. And then introduce Aquaman. And then build the ground up from that. And then eventually get to... Justice League no instead what they decide to do is let's show everybody off in a big kind of 30 second montage where Bruce Wayne is sitting down on the computer and like watching videos watching videos yeah like and then it moves on to Justice League where he's now going around in the first few minutes recruiting everyone yeah I just think so there are huge fans out there of DC they understand the characters. They know the characters inside and out. But where Warner Brothers is forgetting, the audience that they're going... It's film goers that they're trying to... It's people 
that have no interest in reading comics. No interest. Yeah, and what happens is that's where Marvel wins because Marvel looked at it and said, yes, the fans know about Iron Man. Yes, the fans know about Thor. Yes, they know about Captain America. But the film goers have no idea. So we're going to lay the groundwork and explain every single character. And we'll also introduce characters in the background that in later movies will get a throwback or a callback. Yeah. And you'll instantly go, oh yeah, I remember that. And that's how that character plays in. I just find Warner Brothers slow down, have an end goal <laughs> and work towards it. If it takes 20 years to lay the groundwork, Lay it out. Yeah. And build it up. I just find now it's fumbling and trying to generate revenue. And, like, you're losing actors as well. So we lost Ben Affleck. We've lost Henry Cavill. So you lost Batman and Superman. Yeah. You've basically lost, you know... (laughs) The two key characters that everyone knows. The the mother and the father of the DC (laughs) universe, you know. There they are, just gone. Um, And... I think, you know, there was a sort of... There was an idea there. There was an idea. You know, to quote a great man. Um, when um, when the DCEU started, that maybe Zack Snyder had been nurturing. And you can sort of see it in Batman vs Superman and Man of Steel. Um, you know, like Batman's nightmare sequence. Um, when the Flash appears to him in a... You know, am I too soon bit? You know, that bit? That, yeah. Completely true. We had no idea what was <laughs> happening there. Um, like, if you actually go back and look at the DCU and when it started, like, we had Man of Steel and we knew Batman vs Superman was coming out three years after that. When Justice League was first announced, like, it was announced as a two-parter film that was set to well, one year after another, a bit like Infinity War and Endgame. So Justice League was going to be a huge movie. Yeah. And yeah, you know, obviously that was signs that it was being a bit rushed, you know, and I, I mean... Like, it took us, what, five films, four or five films to get to Avengers. And literally, we had two movies and we were going straight into Justice League. So, yeah, there's rushing happening there somewhere. But, I don't know, maybe if Justice League had stayed two parts, it might have allowed uh, the writers and Zack Snyder and all to sort of, you know, dig into the ideas that he was going for, especially with Batman vs Superman. But, things happened. Like, Batman vs. Superman did not get well-received because it's an incredibly bloated film. And it is hugely bloated. There's so much going on in that film. If you're not paying attention, you were, you're going to lose out. Yeah. Like, it's creating a team. It shows off all the Justice League, but it's got its own things happening. You know, very a lot of things happening. Do you know? It's a big old mess. But then you have, like, gems like Wonder Woman, which was so separated from everything that came before it. Like, yeah, it's it's connected in because it's obviously the same character. But it's its own little thing happening outside of the bigger picture, which I suppose is everything great about the sort of separate Marvel films. Yeah. Do you know? And it, you know, apart from the bad CGI bad guy at the end of Wonder Woman, it's a good film. Do you know? I haven't seen Aquaman. I haven't actually bothered my whole to watch that just yet. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, no, it's... Um it have does, you seen Aquaman? Have yes, you? I have. Oh, right, you can talk about I this. I have. Um, yeah, look, it again, I don't really want, because it's a fresh film, don't really want to go into depth, because I know there are people that probably are going to listen to this, and then like, oh, thanks a million. 
You've now yeah. ruined it. Jason Momoa, hands down, has saved that character. Because I can remember, this is going to sound so nerdy, being in the schoolyard and playing the, like, we, we, we used to pick days where we were the Avengers and then we picked days where we were Justice League. And there was always one guy that always got handed a Hulk. And you were like, I don't know what to do with him. And then there was the, the days of the DC where it was like, well, you can be Aquaman. I don't want to be Aquaman. He's stupid. He's like, what? He's a, Jason Momoa absolutely kills it. Oh, yeah, you know. And Even I just find his, his movie, like, again, I just found that the movie was filler. It didn't really bring anything to the DCEU. And... Which people. could which could come back to the fact that we've already got Justice League. We've already seen these characters get together. Like, that was the good thing about Wonder Woman. It came before Justice League, I think, I hope. Yes, no, it's ba- it's it's based in the past. So it's based well in but the release past. But release-wise, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter in terms of release. Because oh, we, we saw her with yeah. Batman and Superman in Batman v Superman. So, like, we've seen... I think that was the great thing about the Avengers. We got to see all of these individual characters. In their own right. And then we got to see them come together. So we knew who the characters were as people. And then we got to see those egos come together into one room. Which is... Like, you can so see that in the Avengers. There's a great scene where after they capture Loki... I'm, I'm going into spoiler territory. But the film came out in 2012, so leave me alone. Um, <laughs> Disclaimer. He's about to wreck Avengers. So <laughs> please be cautious. <laughs> Anyway, they capture Loki um, and there's just this great scene on the helicarrier where they're all in the sort of room where they're examining the scepter and they're all at each other's throats. You know, Cap's at Iron Man, Thor chimes off about something and Nick Fury and Black Widow get in on that and then Hulk comes in. We have all these very high-strung characters in a room together and, you know, that's what we want a Justice League to be because, I mean, look at Batman. There's a lot of things happening there. As a person, you know, he's got a lot of baggage. And Superman's no different. You know, put put them two together with other people. Yeah, we want to see things happening. And we kind of got it in Justice League, but we didn't really. Because we didn't really understand the characters prior. Mm-hmm. You know, you, there's a lot you can do with a two and a half hour film that can't be done with a 30 second clip in an email. Yeah, look. So, we're going to like, talk about this because this is how I would, if I was in control of the DCEU, I would have laid it out as so. So Man of Steel <coughs> would have left it exactly where it was, wouldn't have touched it. I would have then proceeded to make the Batman. I would have introduced Ben Affleck as the Batman. So it's not going back to his early years. It's based just before Batman versus Superman so you see the tensions in Gotham City and it builds towards the f- it kind of foreshadows Batman versus Superman you get the resentment you see like obviously you see what happens from his point of view in Man of Steel and his kind of hatred towards Superman. So that it would, by giving him his own movie, shown this building. So not just a quick clip at the start of Batman v Superman. You can then understand 
holy crap, he really hates Superman. And then it goes into the movie, Batman v Superman, with the introduction of Wonder Woman. Then it will proceed to do Wonder Woman. And then, I don't know, it jumps forwards near the end, and it shows the end of Batman versus Superman, where they all sit down and they look at the Avengers initiative. Or Avengers initiative? My the God. Justice League gathering. The Justice League gathering, whatever it's called. I'm the Marvel head, boys. Um, but then it like, I don't know, I could fixate on one character in particular. So we'll pick Aquaman. Then it moves into the Aquaman movie. And, vi- and it keeps going down the list. So you have all these movies to develop these characters, show their struggles and their kind of flaws. Yeah. And then you show the greater evil building in the background. You know, dark side. There's also, there's one film now, just dawned on me, that we've left out of this entire talk, and that's Suicide Squad. Oh, God. Yeah, Suicide Squad. We're going to try and bring this in We're going to leave Suicide Squad alone, because that film is just... It's so far out. It's completely forgotten about. (laughs) Like, it's so forgotten about. At this point, everything that Suicide Squad did is just gone. Oh, no, there's there's Harley Quinn, too. The Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn came out, like, this year or something. Yeah, but they don't feel like they're... So... Right, we're we're going to get off topic because apart uh, from the we're going to get off my rant. So my rant was basically a kind of a canon. It's almost yeah, it was like a slow intro to everything. It's, it's what Marvel did. Yeah. So what it feels like is this is going to sound crazy. It's like the, the Star Wars. You have the canon movies: one, two, three, four, five, six, and Seven, then eight, nine. we'll forget about them. That's another. That's another topic. Um. <laughs> But to me, Suicide Squad and the Harley Quinn, that's such a long, stupid title. Birds of Prey. Yeah. They feel like like added extras of the expanded. It's not they're the, actually They're tied the Rogue in. One and Solo of... Or Mandalorian. Of the it's DC not media. really... It's, it, it's in the universe, but it's not really screen accurate especially now like obviously Jared Leto was going to be the Joker of the DCEU same with Margot Robbie being Harley Quinn but I think Margot Robbie is sort of still there and uh, but like Jared Leto is pretty much gone yeah. at this point and they're like we're going back to it again everything is rushed there is no set character like if I said to you Iron Man you're going to say Robert Downey Jr if yeah. I say Captain America you're going to say Chris okay. Evans because they've been established. You know the character. You know what they look like. You have, at the moment, two Jokers. Yeah. So Jared Leto could come back. But you've also but got... But in your head, you have Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Which, to be honest with you, is a phenomenal movie. People, if you haven't seen Joker, please go and rent it or buy it. We can't re- well, you can. You can rent off You Sky. can rent now. You can rent. Yeah. So go and watch it because it's an absolute phenomenal movie. And personally now, I would take... He mightn't do it, but I would bring his character in quicker than I'd bring... I just... I don't see Joaquin coming back. Do you know, I think Joker was a very sort of, you know, one thing. You know, it can't... You can't build on Joker, I don't think. It sort of... It goes places where I, I think where Joker ended for me it was a nice place to end a film like just if they never brought back Joaquin's Joker again I'd be happy with that because I yeah. don't really see a need to bring him back yeah but 
again, going back to my rant of character progression, setting the scene, that movie does it. So that movie actually is the essence of what you're supposed to do with your DCEU. Show the character starting. Show the development. And then lead it in. Oh, so that's how he became. Oh, okay. And then you could pick it up 20 years later. You know, when the little small child, Bruce Wayne, that we see is now a fully-fledged adult, and he's coming to terms with his midlife crisis of becoming yeah. the Batman. It, like, it's stuff like that. Sorry. No, it's, you're fine. It's stuff like that that should be done. I'm I'm getting so passionate right now. Yeah. No, I'm, unfortunately, I'm going to have to wrap you up there, Stephen, because we do have more stuff to talk about on the show. <laughs> Essentially, what we're saying is the DCEU's future is a little bit grey at the minute, because they're still technically doing... They're still working on that series that was started in 2013 with Man of Steel, but there's that much side stuff coming in, like, obviously, Joker last year, and you have the Batman coming out soon. No one really knows where they're going with this. So, at the end of the day, just go watch the CW shows, because they pretty much have their heads screwed on. They kind of know what they're doing, and they had yeah. they recently had, um, I can't remember, Crisis on Earth or something. It was a big, big name, big crossover. They brought The Flash, Arrow, DC Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl... All their shows had a massive crossover segment last year or this year. I can't remember. It was big. Go watch CW shows. I haven't watched them myself, but that's, that, that must be where it's at with DC, unfortunately. Anyway, moving on. Um, I was going to do a nostalgia box this week, and then I decided no, because a little small thing has been creeping up into uh, sort of the gaming world. Um, I don't want to spend too long on this. It's just sort of quick sort of thoughts on it um games are becoming too long that's a given i think yes especially with this generation we've seen a lot of games that are you know 60 plus hours you know and even single player games like god of war and the most recent last of us part 2 where you're looking at 25 to 30 hour campaigns they're very long games not easy to sit down and play those games but now um Sean Layden, who used to work for Sony and PlayStation, came out and said that, um, you know, games are too long. He's actually said it now. And uh, he's also said that bringing the current trend of long games into the next generation, multiplying it and seeing that as growth is just not possible. So we might be seeing the return of the 12 to 15 hour campaign. What do you think? Yeah. So, long needed, I think. Yeah. Right. So, if you were talking to me 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have said, that's crazy. You're out of your mind. I love open world RPGs with 400 plus hours of story and side quests. Not anymore. So... Like me, the vast majority of gamers are no longer... So the demographic that they're working towards, we're now adults that have kids. Yeah, have we're, not, we're not kids anymore. We've grown up. Yeah, so it is nice to be able to sit down and play a game that doesn't take 
40, 50 hours to complete. I.e. the likes of Journey. Yeah. Journey does not take, I think it's about an an hour to an hour and a half, if even that. Yeah. It's a lovely, subtle game. It tells a story. And the beauty of it is, it starts again and you can keep playing and keep playing and keep playing. I love games like that. And going back to like Crash Bandicoot. Games like that for me, Aspire of the Dragon, you can jump in and out. You don't really have to commit. And it would be nice to go back to 12 or 14 hours worth of gameplay. A nice story and just leave it at that. 30, 40 hours, it, it's too long. It's too hard to play them games and be committed. And Unless you're going to put your job on hiatus, you know. Yeah, and it, like... Even now, like, I got The Last of Us Part 2 when it came out last Friday. And I'm still playing it. Like, it's been over a week and I'm still working my way through it. And using The Last of Us Part 2 as the most recent example, it's been getting a lot of slack about its story and people saying it's not living up to the um, the first one. Now, I'm not going into any spoiler territory here. I'm going to keep it completely spoiler-free. Um, and I can I can see where people might be having some issues with The Last of Us Part 2's story. Because it does things that you wouldn't have expected the game to do. And, you know, I'm going to get a bit, you know, kind of ooh flashy here now because, you know, I'm a college student and all that. But, you know, I've picked up a thing or two in my time in college and I know how stories kind of work. And I can see what Neil Druckmann is doing with what he's introduced in Last of Us Part 2. But he spends too long with it, I think. There's a lot of segments in that game that yeah, they try to do stuff and... Yeah, they do kind of do it, but they spend too long getting around to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they're over-elaborating. There's essentially two campaigns in um, The Last of Us Part 2 that run parallel to each other. And you get to experience both of them. But there's no need for you to experience both of them fully. You could do one campaign in half the time. Because we've already established an understanding of one half. Do you know? And we're... When you spend so long with one half, you lose track of the other half. It's really hard to talk about this without actually <laughs> not um, yeah, no, I, directly talking about it, you know? Yeah, no, I I know what you mean. So It's really, I, the length of the game has really impacted the story, I think. Like, I think The Last of Us Part 2, like, I'm not even finished it yet, but I'm, I think I'm close to the end of it at this point. But from what I've seen of the story, I think it, it would have impacted a bit more had it been reduced if i if i'd spent less time between certain bits you know the effect would have been because i would have reached it faster rather than you know playing for four four and a half hours straight of one segment leaving it for the day going to work then the next day coming home starting up and then still being in the same place where i left off and then carry on that extra bit more you know yeah i feel like it would have had more of a hit you keep knocking off that. I don't know what's wrong with today. I'm very jittery. <laughs> Extremely jittery. I keep hitting the uh, mic today for some reason. See, didn't tell you. We need we need mics from the ceiling. It'd be great. Uh, I miss when we were on the radio and that mic that was on the big boom that just moved around. <laughs> it was actually lovely. You could swing that out of the way when you needed to do. Yeah, it's because it's because the mic's resting on the desk. It's because we have a living room studio. Yeah, it's great. Wait till I break it to the mother that we want to put padding on the walls. To boost the acoustics. Boost the acoustics. Um, but yeah, you know, 
I I think you know because if you go back to PlayStation Two, the average length of a game was five and a half to seven hours. You know, and if you got a longer game than that, which happened, it was either a JRPG because those things are just ridiculous, huge to runtimes in them, or it was something kind of, you know, it was something a bit weird that needed a bit more time to weed out, like Silent Hill Two, great game, definitely needed the runtime that it has, which I think is about twelve. 12 hours roughly if you have no idea what you're doing in that game it's going to take about 12 hours to get through it and it did for the first time I played it it took me 12 hours to get through but it needed it because that's a very slow burn of a game you'll probably walk away knowing less than what you did going in but it needed the runtime. and then we move on to PlayStation 3 and the sort of 8 to 12 hour campaigns were the mainstay and with the occasional you might get an odd 15 hour game in there but again it was a JRPG do you know yeah but now I just I do have to agree that maybe with this generation we've seen games that are just a bit too big, and you know, mate, like take a game like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or The Witcher, they kind of fall into the JRPG kind of thing. You know, it's all about its quest lines, all these different quest lines. So yeah, it's fine for them to be that length. But then you have a game like God of War or The Last of Us, which is a story-driven game. So you're following one continuous story. It doesn't need to be 25 or 30 hours. That's too much story, do you know? Too much character development. So yeah, we need a return of the 12 to 15 hour campaign, I think. Yeah, I... Look, at everyone's fallen in. So... Everyone is trying to do a GTA-style game. And it's it's the game that everyone loves. So everyone flocks to GTA because GTA gives you a story. And then gives you a playground that you can go play in. But I think for certain aspects of games. I think we're spoiled. I think we're so spoiled. I think we just. You know if we're given a. You know 40 hour plus game. No we want 80. And we want everything to look so in depth. And we want this and we want that. We're so spoiled. <laughs> it's It's gone crazy. It's. We're never happy. It's we're like the old man sitting in the back of the car. That if it was padded seats and a 15 minute drive, he'd still complain. It's just the way it is. And it's, I think it's ruining games to a degree. So, like, it's the, it's the expectations that are ruining. The gamers' expectations are ruining games. <laughs> are we crapping on our entire fan base? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, no. Hear look, us out. <laughs> no, look, we'll address the elephant in the room because I'm the same. Yeah, like yeah. I was genuinely I I like the whole aspect of a free for all oh I love this I can run around anywhere I want I can kill anything I want I can do this do that but in the back of my mind I'm going well you could add this in or you could do this you could do this um, prime example and it's one that we are going to definitely have to go back and visit on another podcast is No Man's Sky Oh yeah. So big open world, open worlds. People are still not happy. Okay, people are still not happy. People want loads more. It's that getting a story. It's that getting this. That people just want more. The more you give, the more people take and want more. So you're never going to be happy. Well, to be fair, in, in with people and No Man's Sky, that was a very sort of lackluster release. There was definitely a lot <laughs> missing that was promised. I have another example here that might kind of lean into what you're getting at. And that's um, 
Metal Gear Solid, particularly Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 5. So you take Metal Gear Solid 1, it came out to PlayStation 1 in 1998. It's about an eight-hour campaign. And it's by today's standards, it's nothing great. You know, it's muddy textures. You can hardly see what you're doing half the time. The sound, the sound in the game is is decent, but when you you know when you find out that it was recorded in a living room with cars driving by, you know, yeah, it sounds amazing when you think about it in that. But by today's standard, it's a very dated game. Yet, it can pull off so much more than the fifty-hour campaign, and much better Metal Gear Solid Five can do that came out in twenty fifteen. I think. Emotionally, Metal Gear Solid 1 is far better than Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pen. And that's just my opinion, you know? Yeah. But I, like, again, I go into Metal Gear Solid for the story. And Phantom Pen just wasn't there. And yeah, there was a lot of new gameplay updates, but I still have a more appreciation for the older games in that series than Phantom Pen. Do you know what I'm getting at? I do know what you're getting at. And again, it's it's all coming back and it's also tying in with what we were talking about with the DCEU. It's all about pacing. So with certain things you need to take your time, expand on it. But in certain aspects, i.e. certain games, you can tell a really good story in 8 hours. So you don't need to go 50 hours. Or if you're going into another game, take the 50 hours. But it really depends on the model. Yeah. Like, if it's a weird quest line game, 50 hours is fine. Maybe more. If it's a single player story driven game, it needs to be on the shorter side. So people yeah. can sort of take away the weight. And speaking of single player story games, and we do have to wrap it up <laughs> because we let that one run a bit longer than I thought we would. Um, EA have had Star Wars for quite a long time. You know, 2015. And... In that time, we've only gotten one single-player experience from them, which is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. It's fair to say that maybe the movies of Star Wars and the way they've been going have not been great, I think. <laughs> you know, pretty much since Solo, we've been on a downhill trajectory. Actually, no, it's Last Jedi, whichever one came first. <laughs> we've been on a downhill trajectory. But recently, EA, along beside... beside um, were uh, announcing Star Wars Squadrons have said that they want to work closely with Disney to produce more Star Wars games in Star Wars universe. Which again got me thinking that maybe they might be leaning in more towards single player games which again brought up the long forgotten Star Wars 1313 which was the last sort of great thing LucasArts were doing which has just... Was the last hope. Yeah, it was the last hope. It was the oh. last hope. It was a game that was... I don't think it was ever confirmed that we were going to play as Bo- Boba Fett. No. But you were a bounty hunter who was either... I don't think he was a Mandalorian, or maybe he had acquired Mandalorian armor. Yeah, so what it is... So for people who don't know, it was a game that was announced at E3. Uh, it was a single-player, story-driven game. It was a third-person action game that really kind of had that Uncharted kind of vibe to it. But the beauty of it was... It's a Star Wars game that did not feature a Jedi. Yeah. You had now stepped away. You were now going to what we would call the expanded universe. You were going away from the what we know as canon. Yeah. And they kind of done that before with other games. Like you had a Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Really good series. Yeah. Um, But 
it's what people wanted. People want, people love that genre, but wanted to expand. I genuinely was so disheartened when I found out that this was now canned. Not even put on ice. Genuinely deleted off a hard drive. Chance starts not. Someone has that stored somewhere. Yeah. It was it was Kathleen Kennedy and her fantastic ideas of oh, uh, completely retconning the Star Wars expanded universe because it didn't make sense. Yeah, so she was. made her own. It's just why you would take over like when when Star Wars thirteen thirteen was announced, the Disney acquisition of Star Wars sort I'd of came in not yeah. long after that, and then George stepped down and Kathleen Kennedy took over and the dissolving of Lucas Arts began. Yeah, it, they just. They got rid of so much stuff that was just lying around. Just don't do that. Oh, my God. Yeah, we wanted... Obviously, when Disney took over, we all thought that whatever LucasArts had in development would be carried over and finished, which yeah. makes sense, money-wise. No, they just can Star Wars 1313. So I'm hoping now, what I'm getting at with this whole segment is that with this new announcement that EA want to work on more Star Wars games, I'm hoping they're not all multiplayer faff, like Battlefront and Squadrons, that they are going to be a bit, they're going to be a lot of single player games. And I'm hoping that maybe we get a spiritual successor, or maybe the actual Star Wars 1313 makes a comeback. Yeah, there is potential. Um, There's more potential now than ever because we've had The Mandalorian. So, bounty hunters in Star Wars are kind of... They're there now. They're they're popular. There's... It's all there. Just <laughs> pick it up off the ground, EA, and go make the game. <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah. And again, story-driven games don't have to be 50-plus hours. Get a nice story in a couple of hours. Eight, ten. Yeah. Nice story. I'll happily pay 50 quid. Don't and think I'd pay much more than that. They should also give Bioware a chance to do another uh, Night of the Old Republic or something similar to it. Yes. But now, obviously, because we've had Mass Effect and we've seen the updates that they've done for Dragon Age, do you know, like Dragon Age Inquisition, doesn't get talked about enough. I think that's a great game. Do a Night of the Old Republic like Mass Effect 2 or 3, do you know, with that kind of dialogue system, but obviously not as dumbed down as it was. Yeah, you could also do that, or again, EA has a lot of good. Well, they did. They've done a lot of reshuffling lately. Um, they have a lot of good studios. So Bioware came up with the whole choose your own path in a game. So your decisions affect the way the story is driven. I think if they did that with a Star Wars game, it would be really cool. So your small decision of at the start of a game has a massive, almost like a butterfly effect. You know, I love stuff like that, choose your own path, because me and you played the Mass Effect. I would talk about a sequence in the game, you have no idea what it was on about. Yeah. I think that is brilliant. It it gives players a unique experience and it allows more playability. Build on stories, expand the universe and get rid of Kathleen Kennedy, so this can all be done. Get rid of Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> oh, well, it's, I mean, Bob Iger pretty much did that after Solo, when he kind of sh- 
pushed her out <laughs> silently. They never fully confirmed it, but we all know it happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, no one wants to talk about it, but we all know it happened. Um, but yeah, like, if EA are serious about doing this, about taking Star Wars and video games and actually trying to do it properly, is there any Star Wars games that you would like to, or types of Star Wars games that you'd like to see? I would love to see... So basically, I'm the older generation. I would love for new generations of kids to experience the Bounty Hunter games again. Yeah. I think the story in them was really good. And it just got away from the whole lightsaber. Yes, everyone wants to be a Jedi. I would rather be a Bounty Hunter. Which again leans back into bringing back Star Wars 1313. Do you know? If we still had that, we'd... Oh, yeah, well, I was so disappointed. Yeah. People don't realise how disappointed I was. It was a very disappointing time to be alive, you know. <laughs> All this stuff got, you know. <laughs> Star Wars is, so you're kind of, Star Wars is a bit like um, the great killer song, Mr. Brightside. You kind of come out of the womb knowing about Star Wars, you know. Yeah. You're, I don't even know how I came about knowing Star Wars. I've just known about Star Wars. There was never a time when I discovered Star Wars. It's just been there, you know. And... Yeah, I think now with the way the films have gone, you know, it's just leave it alone. You know, you've kind of you've you've had your trilogy. That's it. Just stop now. Yeah, but but TV is kind of picking up. We've had the Mandalorian. Um, Kenobi's coming soon. Whenever I don't know when that's coming. It's coming. Yeah, but Look, video games is another alternative that Disney could go to actually create some really interesting Star Wars stories. Yeah, and look, it's a win-win. EA makes money, Disney makes money, and getting the right people involved could fix it. Like, yeah, look, the movies, I know people shit on the prequels. No, not prequels, the sequels. Yeah, the sequels. The, like, okay, but people did shit on the prequels as well. Yeah, when they, they, were, they were George's babies. Yeah, but it's the Skywalker saga, and it'll always be known as the Skywalker saga. So we leave that, put that to rest, and go into another section and build off another side of the universe. Yeah. You know, and enjoy it. And just for the love of God, because EA does it all the time, they just sit down and go, what's the best moneymaker? Online games, loot boxes. You know, it's it's essentially just gambling on a bloody PlayStation and Xbox. It's ridiculous. If they are going to do it, if they are going to really go about, you know, bringing up a new generation of Star Wars games, they can't go at a half hours. No. It's either you give it everything or you don't do it at all. Because we're going to know. We'll know straight away, just from looking at the game, whether it's, you know, whether it's fully there or not. Like, even Jedi Fallen Order, it's a fun game. But there's a lot of stuff in there that just kind of feels tacked on from other games, like Uncharted and Dark Souls. It It works, but... You know, get creative. Let the people making these games actually do their thing and be creative. It's a good foundation. And it shows what they are capable of. So if they build on that, they can't go wrong. No. And there's so much out there between the comics and the fan... Not even that. The fan fiction. I've read some fan fiction and to be honest with you, they're actually better than the sequels <laughs> it's the god honest truth it's just just take some of that yeah make a game you can't 
lose. You know, you can't lose. The recipe is there. You know, it's actually made. The cake is made. Just serve it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. You have all. You have the layout. You know what you're doing. Just do it. Don't muck about. Just do it. And give us a Star Wars horror game. That's what we need. <laughs> we don't have a Star Wars horror game. I want to shit my pants in the Star Wars universe. You know. I want a Wookiee charging down a corridor at me at full sprint. No, I would have said Vader. Oh, I would have yeah. said Vader. Any Jedi, really. Yeah. If you were a rebel soldier standing down a, a hallway on a ship and just a Jedi, any Jedi, good or bad, starts like sprinting down a corridor at you, lights it, you're like, you're, you're done. There's no getting out of that. You just got to run. <laughs> we need a Star Wars horror game. It's coming. Anyway, on that note, I'm afraid we have to say that the arcade is now closed officially. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in to this episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. And uh, if you want, have missed out on the last two episodes, they are now available on ACAST and Spotify. Nowhere else yet, unfortunately. No. I have submitted to Apple Podcasts. We are going to be on iTunes at some point in the future. Uh, <laughs> iHeartRadio as well. Yeah. We're I still in the process of that. I submitted to um, them. Have they actually gotten back to it? I never checked. Not yet. Not we're yet. also aiming to be on TuneIn as well. Yeah. So yeah, we are branching out because we realise that not everybody listens to Spotify and not everyone might be interested in jumping on Acast. But it's a really it's a wait. You know, we do our bit. We're, we we got to wait for the there. we got to wait for the powers to be to come and uh, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. We are only on episode three, <laughs> but if you've been listening for the last while, uh, thank you very much. Do you know, it means the world to yes, us. Absolutely. Um, if you want to get in touch. About what we've been talking about on the show, uh, you can on our social medias on Facebooks, the Twitters, and the Instagrams. We're at the Arcade Podcast. That's the Arcade Podcast, all one word. Yeah, it doesn't even even be have to be about the show. You just if you want to, just write to us and say, "Hey guys, love you." <laughs> <laughs> just give us the appreciation that we need. <laughs> but if you have yeah. something that you know that we maybe talked about that you either agree or disagree with, because there are some things that we talk about that we don't understand. Like yeah. Pokemon last week. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, something that is really ticking you off, but you just cannot be bothered to set up your own podcast, yeah, we will genuinely recommend, or we will sit down and talk about it. That's yeah. what we're here for. We're here to rant and get your opinions and get our opinions and just put it on everyone else's shoulders. And as fun as it is to come up with new ideas to talk about every week, I, so if someone brought an idea to me, that'd be great. Do you yeah. know, that's that just saves me half the time of actually <laughs> being creative. Do you know, because it's it's fun being creative, but it takes its toll after a while. You know, sometimes you just think, you know, I'm not going to be creative today. I'm just going to sit in my underwear and just not do anything. It's like yeah, hey, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a low blow. That was a low blow. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. I am missing something. We will be back next week. Same time, same place. ACAST, Spotify, maybe beyond. Uh, with a brand new show. Um, yeah. With that said, I'm, I've been Sean. And I've been Stephen. And uh, this has been The Arcade. And we are signing off. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. The Unmistakable Creative gives you timeless practical wisdom for living a meaningful life. Listen to deep, meaningful conversations with creatives, misfits, rebels, and changemakers. At their core, people don't believe that they're good enough. 
So they get into this whole fake it till you make it paradigm in order to gain the credibility that is going to lead to the attention that's going to lead to their success. Subscribe to the Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.